You guys can be seated for just a minute. We are switching things up. I'm doing announcements today. This is smaller writing than my sermons are in, so. Uh, I have some. They just don't work. We, uh, we missed Larry's birthday. It was last week, so happy birthday to Larry. And then today, it is Miss uh, Carol's birthday. And, and Miss Serenity's birthday. I think uh, a happy birthday might be in order, but we can wait just for a sec. Um, Jim Tower's birthday is the 26th, and Michelle's birthday is the 29th. So lots of good birthdays coming up. Let's sing, I'm going to cut my mic off, but let's sing happy birthday. No, 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 no. That would not be a present for anybody. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Larry, Carol, Serenity, Michelle. Happy birthday to you. My parents are here today. It's always good to have them in service with us. Um, if I preach better, it's because they're here. If I don't preach better, it's because, uh, not because they're here. It's some other reason, but... Prayer and worship tonight at 7. Um, we haven't had one in a while. It's the only one that we'll have this month, so please come and, and join us in that. Uh, Wednesday night Bible studies, it's only for kids this week. Uh, no adults, no teens. So dinner starts at 6.30. Kids class, it starts at 7. Um, thank you to everybody that attended the community service, and Pastor Logan, very, very proud of you. Good job on that. Um, we will not be having game night next Sunday. Instead, we have rented out the theater in Hazen, for the, the Sound of Freedom movie, uh, I encourage every adult to watch this movie. Whether you know anything about it, whether you've heard anything about it, um, you know, we'll spend our money on a lot of junk. This is not junk. We'll see it, uh, bring your tissues with. Because of the subject, subject nature it deals with, I would encourage parents to make your own decision on whether or not your kids should see it. Um, just saying that up front. Uh, it's at 7 p.m. Invite a friend. The movie is free. All you have to pay for is your snacks. It's probably not a movie you want to bring snacks to. So, just saying. Uh, we had a youth fundraiser on Friday. We need to give a big thank you to Logan and Kara and Chuck, who was the grill master, which I'm pretty bummed I didn't get one. But uh, they made almost $1,400. So that is incredible and very awesome. Thank you to everybody that helped with that and supported that. Uh, one thing that is not on the announcements or your slides, but we are looking at having an annual business meeting that was supposed to happen in January in August, the end of August. That being said, there are three council members that uh, they can run again, but they have to be voted back on, but we have to elect three. So if you have somebody in mind, the stipulations are that they are a member in good standing, that they are faithful type payer, that they are baptized in the Holy Ghost. So be thinking about that. Um, I'm not sure exactly what... When, when that will be, it will more likely either be on a Sunday night or just after church on a Sunday. I, I just, I don't know how many of you know this, but my, my dead sister passed away last week. And so we all flew down to Florida, tried to take care of some of that. We drove back, got back Friday afternoon. So my mind is like, I don't know what's going on or what, what day it is. Um, Jessica woke me up for church this morning, which I appreciate. So when I, when I can catch a breath, um, I'll get that finalized and figured out. But be thinking about um, council members who you'd like to, to nominate and, and all that. So um, 
you have to be a member to vote. You do not have to be a member to attend. So you're welcome to come, uh, be a part of that, but you do have to be a member to vote. And with that, I think, I think that's everything I have. Father, I love that song, and I love that you are the God of breakthrough. And God, I thank you for the breakthroughs that you've made in my life. God, the, the main one, Father, where when I was not looking for you, when I wasn't searching for you, you found me, and you rescued me, and you saved me. You gave me a new heart. You put a new spirit in me. You picked me up out of the miry clay, and you set my feet on a solid rock. And God, they have never wandered because you have kept me. God, I thank you recently, Father, for, for what you've done in my heart, my spirit, my mind. God, where you've shaken my world, where you've broke off the chains of religion, religion and tradition, where you've broke through so that my first love is you. God, where my days are as sweet with you now as they were in the beginning. God, where I can see clearly, where I have vision, where I have purpose. But God, you're not just a breakthrough God for me, you're a breakthrough God for each and every person here. So Holy Spirit, I pray over the next few minutes that you would arrest every heart and every mind. God, that nobody underneath the sound of my voice would be able to move without your, your saying so. Nobody would be able to speak without your saying so. Holy Spirit, that from right now till the end of the service, you would seal this room. God, that you would move me out of the way, that the words that come out of my mouth would not be mine and that everybody here would know they are not mine. God, that I would be a man set on fire to preach your word. And God, I promised you long ago when you saved my life that no matter what it cost, I would follow you. No matter who was with me or who was against me, and God, we are in the midst of a war and I will not back down to the enemy. I will not give in. Right here, right now, put the enemy on notice and say, you don't belong here. You do not belong in Prairie View Church of God. You do not belong in the middle of the children of the Most High. You are El Elyon, God Most High. God, forgive us for when we've shortened you when we've stopped your arm. God, when we've got to the point where we've said to ourselves, I will go this far and no further. And we've called it Christianity. God, where we've prayed simple prayers that take no faith and called it a move of the Spirit. God, where we've cried a couple tears at the altar and lifted our hands and called it revival. Forgive us. You are still the God of the Bible. There is none that can compare. There is none that is higher. Jesus, you are exalted far above all gods. And at your name, every knee will bow. And God, we read that and we think that on that day, sinners are going to bow before you. It's not even sinners that you're talking about. It is Christians. There will be no difference on that day between who bows and who doesn't, everybody will bow. And Father, may we have the humility over the next few minutes to bow before your feet, to bow in reverence, in awe, in worship, 
to glorify your name, to magnify your name. For God, it is the least that people washing the blood can do. I thank you and I praise you that you are still alive, that you still move, that your arm is not so short that it cannot save, that you will set up a standard that the enemy cannot come against, that God, if you are forced, who can be against us? And that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. So as we press in, as we determine right here, right now, to let go, may you, Father, fill this place. May you meet every need. And may we leave this place having said, I was in the presence of the most holy God, and it changed me. It changed me. In Jesus' name, Father, may your will be done in this place. Thank you for who you are, for all that you are doing, for all that you have done. God, I pray for encouragement, God, for perseverance for those that are having a hard time taking one more step. May they look to you and know that you will not let them go. And one day soon, you will split these skies. And we will see you face to face. God, from now till then, hold us close. Holy Spirit, have your way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to go right into it. I don't know if it's Children's Church. I don't know what, what schedule is. But if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to begin verse 25. I'm going to read my, my scripture text first, and we're just going to go into it. Luke 10, beginning verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. Verse 29. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 
Father, you've, you've heard the words that we've read, your scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit. God, may you anoint my mouth to bring forth this word, knowing, God, that the authority of this word does not rest in me, it rests in you. God, would you give me the words to say? Would you give us the ears to hear? May we receive from you this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Normally when we, when we hear a sermon on the, on the Good Samaritan or, or we, we uh, read it, we, we, we go to one place first and that's that, that we have to be the Good Samaritan. We'll get to that point. But that's not where I want to start. I want to start a little bit different. So first off, this lawyer stands up to test Jesus. So this is not a, a casual conversation. This is not um, somebody that, that really, really loves Jesus and just wants to, to, to show how much he's studied and learned. This is a man that is testing Jesus. And so this whole question is set up between this lawyer who, who would fall into the scribes and the Pharisees part of it and Jesus. And he says, uh, teacher, he doesn't call him Lord, doesn't call him a savior, doesn't call him master, he calls him teacher. He says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him in, in response, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so this, this lawyer answers Jesus and he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's correct. So as of right now, he gets a gold star. For those of you that are Wednesday nights, he gets one of those infamous gold stars that we've talked about that nobody's ever gotten. Uh, but, but as he's here, Jesus says, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. And, and so this, this man, he could have just stopped there and went and did what Jesus told him to do. But he doesn't. He says, it says, and wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so I, I, I want to, we're, we're going to, do some time travel because we're going to play out the different parts that we've all played in this story. We're not this person first. And we'll get to that in a minute. We're not the lawyer first, but we usually come to the lawyer later. Because we get to a point in our Christian walk where we want to do the bare minimum to justify eternal life and go no further. And so this man wanted to justify himself, asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He knows who his neighbor is. The Old Testament did not say, love your neighbor as yourself, and then not tell anybody who their neighbor was. So his understanding of the Old Testament is correct. He just stopped short of the intention of God. Jesus answered and said, a certain man, we don't know who he is. We don't know if he's a Jew, if he's a Samaritan, if he's a, a Gentile. We don't know anything about this man. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. This man leaves the holy city to go somewhere else. That road, the Jericho Road, at that time was one of the most dangerous roads you could travel on. It's one that was not traveled very often. And so he goes on this road. He's leaving Jerusalem. He's going to Jericho. He fell among thieves. It does not say that he went looking for a fight. It does not say that he made a bunch of stupid decisions. It does not say that, that he was wrong in doing what he did. He simply fell among thieves because of life. How many of us have fallen among thieves because of life? You, you, you fall into a situation that robs your joy. You fall into a situation that robs your finances. You fall into a situation that robs your health. You fall into a situation that robs your marriage and your family and, and your identity and everything that you are. And so sometimes in life, we can resonate more with this man that was beaten and wounded than we can with anybody else. Have you ever been there? I was there. I, I, I fell into everything that only robbed and stripped me of my dignity, took everything that I had and left me naked, close to dying, wounded, with no help in sight. I've been there. It's not hard for me to imagine where that place is because I've, I've literally walked that place. It says, not by chance, 
a certain priest came down uh, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so we have a, a, a man of God, a, a priest, that, that is coming from Jerusalem. He's already done his priestly duties. He's not going to do his priestly duties. He's already performed them, and he's going somewhere else. And so I used to think that, that the, the, the priest and Levite couldn't stop because they were busy and they had to give out God's work. They've already done what they've considered God's work, and they're leaving from that. They go down this road. This, this man of God, this priest, doesn't even cross the road. He goes to the other side because that's what religion does. Religion forces you to go another side. You can't get dirty. You can't get dusty because religion can't save you from the dirt and the dust. All it can do is build up a mockery in your mind of if I don't do those things and I don't associate with those people, then I'm clean and I'm safe and I'm good and I'm, I'm going to heaven. That's what religion does. So this is why this priest has to walk on the other side of the road. He can't even get near somebody that is wounded and dying and needs help. Without raising of hands, how many of us play the priest? I have. I've been too busy. I've been too concerned. I didn't want to get involved in a mess. Can I tell you something? Most of the problems people have don't work themselves out to be at the most convenient time for those that can help. It's not the most convenient time for them to have a problem either. Uh, it's not very hard for people in this church to, to think back over the last couple of years and realize that at the most inconvenient time, a bigger problem arises. And in the most inconvenient time of that bigger problem, that happened at the inconvenient time of the lesser problem, an even bigger problem arises. And so you have, instead of a series of unfortunate events, which they are, it's a series of inconvenient disruptions. Things that you would not walk into, you would not willingly pursue, you would not follow, you would not go to. So, so we understand that. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. And so this is the difference between religion and tradition. Religion has all these rules and things that, that keep you here. You can't go talk to that person because they're, they're a sinner. You, what, what if somebody sees you talking to that person and they have a beer in their hand? Oh, oh my goodness gracious. That, that's absolutely horrible. What if, what if they're smoking a cigarette and you're seen outside the restaurant trying to talk to them? God forbid that anybody in town ever see us do that, right? That's religion. Here's, here's tradition. Tradition will go up to that person but not enter into that person's problem. Tradition is not as strong as religion but it still binds your hands and your feet. It lets you get close, but it doesn't let you help. And so these two, the, the priest and Levite, represent religion and tradition. They are powerless to save the person that's walking by them, and they are powerless to save the person that's wounded. Can I tell you something? If religion and tradition are your God, you've got it all backwards. If you can't be interrupted, if... If we can't, and I'm, I'm speaking, I, I had to go search my heart and pray and say, God, what would you have me do? Uh, we've had some disruptions in church. I'm afraid that I played more of the part of the priest than I did the part of the Samaritan. Because in all reality, what matters is people. What matters is people. There is a living, eternal spirit in people that will spend eternity in one or two places. This church will not spend eternity in one or two places. Uh, if this church was not here tomorrow, we could still have church. It'd be different. Maybe it wouldn't flow as well. Maybe it wouldn't be as beautiful. We could still have church. Buildings matter in one sense. We're to be good stewards of what we have. But they do not matter in an eternal sense. They have no eternal consequence. Your car, no eternal consequence. Your clothes, no eternal consequence. There's nothing that you own or possess that has any eternal consequence except for what's inside it goes the same for other people. 
we have this Levite that, that walks by on their side. But, but tradition does this thing. And, and I grew up in a small town, so I can say this because I didn't grow up in Bila. So I'm not saying this about Bila. If the shoe fits, the shoe fits. Uh, I didn't create the shoe that Bila wears, and I didn't create the foot that Bila has. I didn't do that for Big Tim Reader, but there's a lot of people that walked by to see me and my hurt and my shame in Big Timber. A lot of them. They were churchy people. They were traditional people. They were good, upright citizens. They didn't help. They wanted to know what was going on so that they could go tell everybody else what was going on, but they didn't help. They didn't walk on the other side of the road like, like and my dad's here and he was my pastor growing up and, and I've, I've said this before, not just in your presence, so you know. My issue with the Lord was not because of them. It was because of other people outside of them. They're what kept me still not able to deny the fact that God was real. So that being said, there were some religious people that wouldn't even take the time of day. When I got my tattoos, man, it, 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 you would have thought I would have proclaimed I was an open Satanist and killed goats and sheep and did all that stuff from the farmers that, that had them. Uh, so, so religion fell by the wayside. It, it didn't offer me any help. The Levite, the, the, the traditional person, the, the churchy person, they would talk, they would do whatever, but they weren't talking with the intent to help. They were talking with the intent to get knowledge so that they could go laugh about how bad my situation was instead of helping. Neither one of them did, it, did me any good. Neither one of them pleased the Lord. Now, they, they left justified in what they did. The, the priest, I'm sure the priest had his own mind and, and said, listen, I, God, I kept myself pure. I didn't touch an undefiled thing. I, I you know, in your, in your sovereignty, uh, you allowed that man to fall there. And, and yes, I walked by, but in your sovereignty, you also didn't move me over there to walk to him. So I, I'm, I'm okay. We have all sorts of reasons why we can justify who we are religiously. And we use scripture to do it. We also have all sorts of reasons why we can play the, the Levite, where we, we walk up to somebody and I say, and then I go over here and I say, do you see what Pastor Brian has? His, his Bible's not even open to Luke, it's open to Mark. He's, he's not religious. He, there's no way he can be even involved in what we're doing. And, and we have a good laugh and then you tell so-and-so and, and on and on it spreads. For a poor example, the Samaritan would have gone over opened the mark, sat down, and ministered to him. So we have these situations that go on, and, and this, is, is, this is the danger of knowing who God is without knowing God, or of coming to know God but building our own comfort zone that we won't go out of. Because God is a progressively growing God in our knowledge. Not, not, don't misunderstand me. He's not growing in his knowledge like he has things that he has to learn, our knowledge of him progressively grows deeper and deeper. You are hopefully being more sanctified today than you were yesterday. And so as our knowledge of him grows, as our understanding of him grows, as our, our maturity in Christ grows, we understand more and more and more about God. If you build a comfort zone and you say, I've gone far enough, I'm content where I am, I'm not going any further, what do you do when God moves? You stay. The further God moves and the more you dig in, the further away from God you get. Now, you still know about God. You still live in the memory of God. You still live in the, the traditions of God. You still live in, in what happened 100 years ago in God. But it's not yours. It's borrowed. 
borrowed religion and borrowed tradition will never save anybody, yourself included. We don't have to borrow God from other people. We can have him for ourselves. We, uh, we read further. It says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, and I want to stop here. What Jesus was doing is saying, listen, the, the man that you count as less than a dog to, the, to these Jews, to this, this lawyer, to the, the Pharisees and, and the, the Sadducees and the scribes and all that, this, this man that they counted worth less to them than a dog, a, a mixed breed, half Gentile, half Jew, completely unfit for anything, not, not worthy to be looked at, ministered to, helped or anything. This man, less than a dog, ends up having the heart of Christ. And I want to tell us something. If we are going to play the part of the Pharisee and the Levite, there are going to be people that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, that don't have anything to do with us, that have the Spirit of God in them, there are the hands and feet of Jesus that will pass us by. And all we can do is sit and twirl our thumbs because we know we didn't do what we were supposed to do. I don't want to live in the fear of why didn't I do what I should have done. I want to live with the understanding that I did what God has called me to do. That's where I sit. It says, uh, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, so he's on a journey, he has his own stuff going on, he, he didn't plan on stopping, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion is not a very big thing, but it can be everything. If you don't have compassion on people, you can't help them with the heart of Christ. What would happen if Christ did not have compassion on us? What would happen if Christ did not have compassion on the multitudes that he, he ministered to? If he just said, you know what? <laughs> Listen, people, I got stuff I got to do. Do you know who I am? I don't have time for this. I, I got to go preach. I don't got time to, to stop and, and heal somebody or cast out a demon or, or get involved in a religious dialogue. I don't have time for that. I've got to do some stuff. I've got to make my name. I've got to get it out there. I've got to show everybody that I'm somebody. That's not Jesus at all. That's anti-Jesus. It says, so he, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, uh, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Question, do you think when this Samaritan went to this man who was wounded and beaten and bloody and probably muddy and, and dirty and all that, that he was able to bandage him up without getting bloody and dirty? So there's a mess involved, right? God forbid, church, that we are so worried about our clothes staying white, the ones that we couldn't even make white in the first place, that we can't get them a little dirty to help somebody that needs help. I promise you, if Jesus can wash you clean from sin, he can handle a little bit of the mess of you helping somebody else. You cannot adequately help people who are wounded and damaged and bleeding and dying without getting messy. The amount of energy that we sometimes spend trying to stay clean is pathetic. There's no other word for it. The, the fact that, that most of us, and, and I, I'm sure nobody here would stand up and say, listen, I, I'm, I'm a priest right now, I'm a Levite. But if there's somebody sitting at the country kettle that you don't like, 
you're not going to sit at the table next to them. You're going to go sit at the table far away from them. That's the same thing. It is the same thing. And so we can, we can say, oh God, this doesn't apply to me. This is not about me. I'm a good Samaritan. I did a good thing. I waved to somebody uh, who said some evil words to me. I, uh, I didn't get mad when that person cut me off when I was driving. Listen, can we do ourselves and God a favor and not cheapen what he's saying? Can we not pretend like we know better than God? Like we somehow have a way that we can justify ourselves against what he's saying? It took this man to stop where he was going, to stop his plan, to, to go over to somebody to take oil and wine that he had that I'm sure he wasn't planning on using for somebody on the side of the road. So out of his own provision, he takes what he has and he gets down in the dirt and the mud and the blood and he bandages this man. Not only that, he could have bandaged him and left. He could have helped him. He could have said, listen, I'm sure somebody's going to come by and help you. I've done what I can. I've got business to get to. I've got to get going. He could have done that. He didn't. Instead of this, I think it's roughly 18 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho, instead of saying, listen, I'm going I'm to go on Jericho on my, on my animal and I'll, I'll send somebody to get you, right? Instead of doing that, he didn't do that. He put the man on his animal and he walked the rest of those miles. I'm pretty sure he didn't plan on walking. I'm pretty sure he didn't plan on, on anybody ever pick up dead weight. It's heavy. So all the exertion, all the interruption, everything that happened was not planned. Not only that, he could have dropped him off at the hotel and said, he's your problem. I, I got stuff I got to do. You take care of him. I've done what I can. He didn't do that either. He took money out of his pocket and he gave it to the innkeeper and said, listen, take care of him. And when I come back, if I owe you more, I'll pay that too. Don't worry about it. I don't want this man to worry about it. I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want anybody else to worry about it. He's not my problem, but I've made him my problem. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to do what I can do. Why? Because he needed help. It's as simple as that. There is a massive amount of people in the world that need help. I, we, we drove back from Florida, and so, one, there's more people in Florida than probably I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's just in one little spot of Florida. And then you drive, and you drive, and drive, and there's, just, there's people everywhere, right? You drive through cities, and, and I'm thinking, I feel so small. Nobody here knows me. Nobody in Florida knew me. Nobody driving through any place that we drove, drove through knew me. Nobody knows who Justin Countryman is. And their life is perfectly fine. They're, they're not going to be upset if I, if I die. It's not going to affect them in the least. And I felt so small. And I really struggled with that. Not, not because I wanted to feel big. I, I, not anything like that. It, it's just the, the, the overwhelming amount of people that exist in the world overwhelm me. But then I'm driving and we, we pass this little town. And it's like the Holy Spirit spoke and said, this town needs help. I don't know anybody there. I didn't even know that town existed. I didn't know anything about it. It's just a, a tiny dot on a map. And I'm thinking, I wonder if they have somebody that's going to help them. Then as we get closer to Beulah, I'm, I'm thinking, and it's horrible for me to go on a, a road trip. It's actually good that my parents were there because if I, if I would have went on a road trip without my parents, I, I could not tell you what would be coming out of my mouth right now because it would be all sorts of jumbled up 
whatever. So they, they kept me anchored. But I get close to Beulah and I'm thinking, you know, we don't even have to go and look for people that are hurt and broken. They're coming to us. We consider them interruptions. We, we get upset when our, our order of service doesn't go as planned. But it's because we forgot whose house this is. It's not my house. This church building will be here long after I preach my last sermon. It's not my house. It'll be here long after you have attended your last service. It's not your house. It's God's house. And so if God is going to draw the broken and the hurt and the needy to us, there's, there's two reasons why that can happen. One, because God's a good God. Second reason is because we're too busy to go find them. So God is skipping us and just doing what he needs to do. Either way, we've got some serious soul searching to do. And so he goes further. He says, Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So you have this whole thing drawn up. You have this man. And, and I find it funny, we don't, we don't read anything about this man ever again in Scripture. We don't know how long it took him to heal. We don't know if he went and found the Good Samaritan and thanked him. We don't know if he turned out to be a follower of Jesus. We don't know if he uh, had an encounter with God and got saved and, and, and planted a church somewhere. We don't know anything about him. We don't know his name. He's just a guy. That's it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to speak conjecture on that. But I was a guy once. I said at the beginning, I was a guy that was wounded, broken, bloody. I promise you, I didn't have anything good to offer anybody. Somebody took the time to, to talk to me, to, to slowly start binding up those wounds. They healed me enough that they could get me somewhere where the great physician could heal me, where I met Jesus in a little tiny chapel at Four Winds. I know the spot. My dad knows the spot because he prayed the Sunday prayer with me. That little spot. So I was that guy. I'm a preacher. I like to think that I've made an impact in some people's lives. I'd like to think that we've done some good for the kingdom of God. Not as much as we want to do. But sometimes as much as we're able to do. And so the reason why it's hard for me to to look down on people that are alcoholics or that are drug users or that are, are mentally unstable or that are suicidal or that are, are dealing with depression or that are, are, are having mental health issues is because were it not for God, I wouldn't have been out of that pit. And it, it wasn't that, that the skies opened and a beam of light shone down and this voice of God spoke and said, you're saved. It was a person that took the time to get a little bit, a little bit bloody, a little bit muddy, a little bit messy. Changed my life forever. It's really easy to hide behind religion. It's super easy. You do your thing, you check off your, your little checklist, and you're good to go. Can I tell you something? The people that Jesus was most against were religious people. 
and you know, we're, nobody here is a Pharisee, right? Like we, we never, it would never happen. Check your hearts. Because they thought they were right. They knew scripture. They knew the law. They knew the tradition. They knew the rituals. They knew the songs to sing. They knew the times that they should go out and pray. They knew the times that they should fast. They knew the times that they should this and that. They knew and still missed Jesus. You can know and still miss Jesus. Church, I don't want to be known as, I won't even say it from a church standpoint because I'm, I'm sure two weeks ago probably settled that for you guys. I don't want to be known as the guy that almost got it right. I don't want to be known as the guy that, that walked a little bit closer than Levite but still didn't help. I want to be known as a good Samaritan. Not, not so that people know that I did something good, but so that the heart of Jesus can work through my hands and my feet. Because somebody did that for me. And I'm pretty sure somebody did that for you. My mouth was filthy. Filthy. And I had people that couldn't even talk to me because I had a filthy mouth. In my pre-save life, I knew that because most Christians can't handle somebody with a filthy mouth, if I could speak filthy enough, I wouldn't have to hear them. Thank God somebody looked past that. Tattoos. You know, growing up in Big Timber, Montana, we're about 20 years behind Beulah. You can imagine. I, I got saved on a Wednesday. Got on a plane on a Thursday, went down to Texas camp meeting, and I've shared this before. All the, the who's who of ministers down there, their, their camp meeting is huge. I mean, it's like, there must have been 3,500 people in that auditorium. And uh, I honestly didn't own anything other than work clothes. Uh, and I wore my work clothes. I just, I worked all the time. So my parents took me to JCPenney, bought me a pair of khakis and a, a short sleeve shirt because Texas is hot. And uh, I thought I looked pretty nice. I mean, I was pretty dressed up. They wouldn't shake my hand when they saw my tattoos, right? At a camp meeting. If my tattoos are going to separate you from loving me in Christ, the problem's not me. The problem's not me at all. We have got to get to the point where we understand that this is not where we're meant to feel God. This is not where we're meant to have our experience for the week. We come here to get edified and built up so we can go out there to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What I would love is if over time, as we start coming back together, we're so excited because we're sharing stories of who God allowed us to help. Not, not bragging about ourselves, but saying, listen, you'll never guess what God did. I was walking down the street. I went to sit down at the restaurant, and somebody next to me was crying. And I just said, hey, can I help you? And they, they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. My marriage is falling apart. My kids hate me. I'm addicted to alcohol. And I prayed with them. And right then and there, they got saved. My goodness, right? That's not what we do. Because the enemy has blinded us to the fact that in the midst of all of our problems, it's more godly to be concerned about us than it is about others. Everybody has problems. Everybody. Raise your hand if you don't have any problems. Connor? No. He didn't raise his hand. He wiped his eye. Everybody has problems. Not everybody has God. 
And so what I'd like to do is over the next few minutes, I'm not in any hurry. If you have somewhere you got to go, between you and the Lord, there's going to be two songs that play. One is Oil and Wine. And it's just simply talking about how Jesus is the one that found us on the side of the road, that poured in the oil and the wine, that, that took the time to get down in the muck and the mire of humanity, to, to walk, to live, to, to die, to bleed, to pour himself out so that you and I could be saved. That's the first one, because God forbid we ever forget that. You forget what it means to be saved. And I, I want to say something very clearly. If you have never known that you are a wretched sinner in need of a Savior, you are not saved. If you grew up singing church songs and, and that's how you, you, you came to salvation, that's not salvation, that's tradition. You cannot have a Savior you don't know you need. And you cannot save yourself. So until you understand that, that there is not one thing you could say or do that would justify to God why you don't deserve hell, that's your starting point. The good news is, Jesus died to save sinners that had no way to be saved. So he's not judging you, he's not condemning you, he is offering salvation. So that's where you start. If you've never had an actual salvation experience where, where you cried out to, the God, to God in desperation because you were a wretched sinner and you needed salvation, that's where you start. And I don't care if you've been going to church 70 years, if you've never done that, that's where you start. We're going to go back to the basics. That's the beginning. The second thing is, is that maybe that was so long ago that you forgot who you were and you now live as if you weren't ever that person. That's called hypocrisy. It's called uh, Phariseeism. It's called legalism. It's you building a persona of a life that never needed Christ. And because you've built that life, it's a stronghold that the enemy controls and has in your life. And, and you cannot get out of it and nobody else can get into it. That's a big reason why a lot of people sit in churches and don't worship and don't ever, ever talk to anybody about the Lord. That's, that's probably number one. But maybe after Christ, you found yourself beaten, bloodied on the side of the road. He still heals. He has not ran out of oil. He has not ran out of wine. He can still take care of you. The second one is called Rescue Story. Because my hope is that we'll take a few minutes to understand what it is that Jesus has done for us and that the Rescue Story song will remind us that we have all been rescued and that our rescuer still wants to rescue other people. Church, we got to get busy. I'm sorry, but every day that goes by that we're not doing something for the Lord is a day we don't get back. There's a scripture that talks about redeeming the time for the days are evil. You don't get time back. There's a quote that says that this generation of Christians will answer to God for this generation of sinners. Why do you think that the whole host of heaven rejoices more over one sinner than over 99 that don't need repentance? Because that one sinner is why Jesus came. We were that one sinner once. If everybody reached one, if everybody reached one, what a change it would make. Would it not be amazing if in 10 years there's not enough churches in Beulah to hold the people that want to go? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if, if people knew that Beulah was a town where you came and met God? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if, if Beulah's statistics on drug use and, and meth use and alcoholism 
were, were almost non-existent because the people that claimed to live for the Lord got busy living for the Lord. And that what the government says no longer applies because we're not a government town, we're a Christian town. I might be a fanatic, I might be a dreamer, I might be a zealot, I don't know. But I don't know if God can save somebody that wasn't even looking for him, he can do a whole lot more than that. So over the next few minutes, let God search your heart. When I say let God search your heart, I don't mean you tell God what he can look at and then keep those doors shut. I mean you just open your heart to him, your mind. I don't think the Pharisees and the scribes could have been who they were without pride being a factor. It was pride that kept that priest from crossing the road. It was pride that allowed that Levite to go close enough to see, but not close enough to help. It was the lack of pride that allowed that Samaritan to do what he did. The problem with pride is you don't ever see it. You don't ever see it. Other people can see it. God can see it. We don't see it. So I've already prayed that God would seal the room. I'm going to pray, just to close out, that we would be confronted with the living God in a few minutes, face to face. That he would literally be so thick and so present that you don't notice the person sitting next to you, behind you, or in front of you. That you only notice the presence of God. And in that place, whatever God needs to change will change. Whatever God needs to rip down will be ripped down. Even if he didn't come to church planning for him to do it. Even if he didn't know he needed to. Father, I've, I've spoken what I believe you put in my heart. I've done everything I know how to move myself aside and let you have your way. But God, the truth of the matter is, is that because this is your house and because it's your word, you have the freedom and the right to do whatever you want. Because you have bought with the price those that are in you, they are no longer their own. Jesus, it's you that live in them. In one way, a Lord and a master does not ask permission. So God, I pray that we would come face to face with you today. Holy Spirit, that this would not be a time of a sweet presence, but it would be time of a presence that demands fear and awe and reverence. Where you would search our hearts. Where you would show us who we are in the mirror of Scripture. And that you would give us the wisdom strength and the fortitude to push in to follow you even if it hurts. God, thank you for finding us on that Jericho road, for pouring in the oil and the wine, for restoring our souls, for giving us new life. And God, may we always remember that we all needed a rescuer and you were there but there's so many that need rescued. 
Give us eyes to see him. Give us a heart of compassion, Father. May we be to others what you've been to us. And may they come to know you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come to you at the end of today's service, and we just want to give you praise and worship. Lord, thank you for the music and for the message. Lord, let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to remember, God, that you and you alone have created us in your image to do good things on this earth. Lord, help us to go find the, the, the people that need help, the hopeless, the addicted, the lost, the suffering. Jesus, you are that ultimate healer. You can heal each and every one of us. Lord, we just claim you as the Savior of our lives. Lord, give us that passion and commitment to serve you each and every day as we go forward in this week. Father, I pray blessings over each and every person in this building and their families and their extended families. Lord, keep us safe, protect us as we go through our week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be dismissed.